I'm Steve, and Adam Myros no longer has COVID. Did you ever have COVID? Did you ever test? What What are you doing? I I had an instant test, and uh, but it was expired. Who the fuck knows if it was accurate? But either way, I I just chose to quarantine for a week. Cause who's gonna go into like a cramped classroom when they're like sneezing and coughing and shit at this point? Whether you have <laughs> COVID or not, uh, I feel like this is all reframed certain attitudes where whereas before it was like oh you better power through it you lazy bum and now it's like if you show up they're like what the fuck are you doing i don't know that would have been a pretty big time boomer flex for you there like you're just the old guy in class who shows up as sick as shit just coughing and sneezing on everybody i bet the the 20 year olds would have loved it yeah yeah i'm sure but i mean when i was <laughs> 20 that was like the expectation right you didn't miss yeah. shit unless you were like fucking missing an arm or something yeah, I kind of missed that. Now it's like, well, especially in my, my day job, I just like everybody's like, oh, let's meet in person. It's like, why don't we not? Because then I have to put on actual pants and have to like <laughs> go outside. And there's, all, there's all kinds of things that go into that. I don't want to go to an office. Who the fuck wants to go to an office? Nobody. Uh, well, I mean, the other person we got on the show today, he's a man who a lot of people are saying he invented remote work. Uh, but also he is the official spokesman for all of Ireland and Irish Americans, Jack Eason. To heavy, heavy weights a crown, but yep, that's, that's my role, especially, especially for this episode, which we're gonna, we're gonna go in deep on the subject of Ireland and Irish Americans and the fundamental incompatibility of the two. <laughs> I, I, I need some explanation on this because I, I set you guys up. I was like... Uh -huh. Well, you know, my birthday's coming up and, and you just had this guest who was who was interested in your insane fucking hentai episode. I was like, Well you I give you free clearance to I'll I'll sign on for this as a it's like a birthday hazing for the uh, that Adam, your, if you want to long awaited hentai, hentai episode. If you want to watch hentai, and, just uh, let us know. I, yeah. All I'm saying is, is I gave you guys this this golden opportunity and instead what you chose to do was uh watch the most boring movie I've watched in years uh, so that you could dunk on a, a cancer patient. <laughs> yeah, that's called par for the fucking course. Yeah. I, yeah, I get to check all my boxes. It's like, oh, I'm going to mock someone with a terminal illness and they're Irish. Ooh. To be fair, Adam, we were planning to do this episode before the, the, the cancer uh, thing came yeah. back up again. So like, it's not, we're it's not sweet in, in the pot. Maybe it's in bad taste way now, better but, now. But that information's out there. <laughs> I mean, look, we, we are dedicated to the craft of cinema in a way that Michael Flatley mm -hmm. is not. And that's what brings us to this point. So we have to do, he made us do it. It's, it's the whole thing. Yeah. It's entirely his fault. Entirely his fault. And I mean, don't think you've completely gotten away from hentai, Myros, because you know, we, we may have missed your birthday uh, for the episode, but uh, what what if we did a little thing? In what if February we got like uh, uh, Valentine's Day? Huh? How about that? What's sexier than like anime penis? I think for, for Adam's next birthday, we should do a month of hentai to celebrate. Yep. Four mm -hmm. episodes. I agree. Uh, Although you, you guys don't even, <laughs> none of us have the expertise to cobble together one episode. We have, we have a year <laughs> to research now. I'm gonna make it my goal yeah. to find four episodes worth of the creepiest, grisly, awful nonsense I can find, and we'll we'll go through it yeah. together, Adam. It'll be a bonding experience. We're gonna come out stronger, like brothers. All right. Yeah, I like, I like I like how we spent we spent several days at our Slack chat trying to figure out hentai. And we could only come up with like two actual things. <laughs> this, and then it's like, oh, and then my, my, my browser search history. Good Lord. I'm gonna get fucking FBI rated because of you fuckers. Uh, but yeah, if, if you have any ideas for hentai, optimismvaccine at gmail.com. Um, subject line, happy birthday, Adam Myros. Uh, let us know all your favorite hentai jams in there and uh, we'll be sure to, to get them for him. Because that's, that's what he wants. What he wants. Special hentai birthday. But, unfortunately, we're not talking about uh, tentacles or anime or anything of that nature. 
I'm talking about. I wanted to talk about that more after watching <laughs> this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, we're, we're, we're talking about Michael Flatley. And I think if you are of a certain age, let's say maybe 35 and above, you probably know who Michael Flatley is. And the reason you know is because there was an infomercial that ran in the States nonstop in like the mid 90s, probably around 95. And it was for Riverdance. And then later, the follow up, Lord of the Dance. And all you saw was this skinny little blonde guy just clogging his dick off on a stage. And it was the oddest thing because this commercial ran constantly. And, and the effect of that is it makes you wonder, is this something that people are actually enjoying? And I, and I had no concept of it. It's not like I knew anyone who had seen River Dance or Lord of the Dance or, or knew anything about Michael Flatley. Uh, but the genesis of this is, you know, Michael Flatley is at the time when he kind of blows up and becomes super famous, he's already a very accomplished Irish dancer. And this is a great American flex because there's nothing Americans like more than to look at someone else's culture, say, I want a piece of that. And then we do something better than them. And then we just try and own it. So Michael Flatley, not Irish, Irish American. And uh, he becomes this world-class Irish dancer. Uh, he's also a musician. He's a flute player. He put out an album of flute music, if that's something you want to subject yourself to. He toured with the Chieftains, which are like a traditional Irish music group that have been around for 6,000 years. So and with the Chieftains are something other than this movie? Yeah, no, this, yeah there's the other Chieftain. It might be a reference, but yeah, no, the Chieftains are oh, they're, they're a very acclaimed band. He, he toured with them, and then apparently he asked to become a full-time member, and they said no. So... <laughs> <laughs> The they, right knew, move, they knew the what right was move. up. Steve, you're, you're neglecting. I yeah. mean, some of us were at ground zero for this, right? Which was, of course, the 19, yeah. 1994 Eurovision Song Contest, right? We're watching exactly. on TV. Exactly. And this was because exactly. this was this this was the end. I think 94 was the last. Uh, Ireland won the Eurovision Song Contest three years running. Just 92, 93, 94. It became a running joke. Yeah. Whoever wins the Eurovision Song Contest has to host it. And it became a running joke that Ireland was just trying to lose it from then on because we had to keep hosting the damn thing. And it maybe worked because I don't <laughs> think we've had, had a sniff of winning it since then. Um, but yeah, 94, the, they had a... a intermission show they always have like a kind of a big musical number in the middle of the show while they're like starting to tally votes and stuff and it was this it was a one-off piece of music called river dance written by bill whelan and it had mm. michael flatley and gene butler dancing their arses off on stage with a bunch of other people and it was met to great great adulation i mean it's it's a good show i suppose it's it's much more newfangled a lot of the new the, the irish dancing uh what we say purists would would spit upon it because i mean they look like they're having mm -hmm. fun which is absolutely verboten in irish dancing you have to look you have to look like you've got the famine on your mind the whole time that's key right and keep your arms <laughs> by your sides that's what you gotta yeah, no do no upper body movement no that's no the, upper that's body the signature river dance style signature but yeah, but sure yeah. but flatly do flatly his arms they, they move around he strikes some poses he's in mm -hmm. he was he he's was an arm mover renovating the form so it was uh, yeah, no, that that was that was where he came in, and then from then on in like the nineties, you in Ireland you could not escape Riverdance. It chopped the charts. It was constantly, it was touring oh, yeah. for forever. It was ass. It was a phenomenon. And I mean, fair. I've nothing. Uh, I don't care. I don't know anyone who ever saw Riverdance. I don't know anyone who ever went to see it. But boy, it was running. Mm -hmm. Well, and that Eurovision song was number one in Ireland for like 18 weeks or something what like in that. The fuck is, it's this the, is it's disturbing the, It's like to the me. longest running, like number one hit single in Irish history. Oh, yeah. We're talking crazy. about the, the fucking height of the powers of Eurodance and then fucking River Dance is with uh, Eurovision. Oh, yeah. You, do, you, you don't understand what's happening here. No, this, these were these were grand forces at work here. It was it was a madness. Mm -hmm. It was a delirium that took swept the country and then the world. Because, I mean, frankly, if you look at Riverdance's touring thing, I mean, 
toured everywhere, the US, London, through Europe, it went to the East Asia, they had to extend runs there, it was so beloved, they like, they went there for like, X number of shows and had to stay three times as long, I mean, it's just, it was huge, it was massive, it made millions, and, and Flatley was, yeah. was at the centre for a little while until he had a creative disagreement um, about mm -hmm. money or whatever, and he, he parted and ways. I think if you were going to do some sort of like, what's what's the equivalent, essentially, uh, in, in a contemporary sense, it's almost like uh, it has the ubiquity of Shen Yun, I guess, would, would be the only thing. Where right. It's like, you constantly see the commercials, you constantly see the ads, but also you're not sure if you know a single person who has actually seen this in person, but sure. Um, I thought you were yeah, going to say was, Hamilton. And I was like, well, no, you know, I'd mean, rather go see Riverdance. I'm pretty yeah, yeah, sure. I'd rather watch Riverdance over Hamilton any day of the fucking week. This is a fair no, point. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really like a cultural phenomenon. And it's just so funny to me because Irish people, very, very proud. Anytime they get something that has worldwide acclaim, they really, really embrace it. Uh, but you have the odd wrinkle here where, yeah, the Eurovision thing that kind of helped it take off, it was part of the, you know, Irish Eurovision halftime show or whatever intermission Essen show. Essentially, but yeah. It's a disgusting American interloper who has spent the entirety of his life and career, I feel like, of like trying to just sort of just wiggle his way into Irish culture and just be a default Irish guy, it's, you know? It's just an odd thing, really, because, I mean, and Gene Butler, the, the principal female dancer, was also American. Like, neither neither of the two main people were mm. Irish. Uh, but it's sort of strange, because, I mean, I, I did not grow up in a household that was, like, into, you know, the flacule, the music things, and the dancers dancing competitions around Ireland and stuff. You know, we didn't, we weren't into any of that particularly. Um, but, like, they're big cultural events in Ireland, but they do have competitions, but I just, I don't know I've ever encountered someone who's really, you know, into like, you know, we're, we're competitive on this. You know, lots of people, I knew plenty of people who danced and did, you know, or played traditional Irish music. That was totally normal to encounter that. Never encountered anyone who was like super into like the competitive side of it. It feels like that was bred for Americans specifically. Like Americans mm -hmm. compete. Like there's no point in doing it if you can't win something at the end of it. And it feels like it, it just comes. And of course, also you have the Irish American ideal that Irish Americans are absolutely like more Irish than Irish almost. You know, they've they've got this mm, this yep. this this core removed them and it's one of those things that like i mean if if michael flatley is absolutely like living proof that irish people and irish americans are wholly separate often incompatible species because michael flatley and i'm not saying this is a great thing about ireland but we would have bullied it out of him like there's no way he would have done all that <laughs> stuff if he grew up in ireland because in ireland when you grow up the message from the state from the church and from your neighbors and all your friends and everyone is why do you think you're so special right that's that's the irish mindset that's and and everything happens under that and maybe that's terrible and maybe we've crushed so many souls and spirits and artistic ventures throughout our time because of it but it also means we can produce someone like michael flatley who comes off as a bit of a prick so you know it's it's kind of like you know a balancing scale kind of a thing i mean just today or yesterday on twitter this actually happened uh, uh some young band performed on irish tv and i'd never heard of them before but they they just played a song on a TV show, which is a very normal thing. And uh, Fine Gael, one of the main political parties in Ireland, their arts and culture spokesperson, right, who is a former minister of arts and culture, since they're not in government right now, he's just a spokesman for the party. He went on Twitter to say that he thought the band sucked. That's what happened. A young band <laughs> got on TV to play a song and a government official literally went online to tell them to stop. That's, that's the Irish creative spirit. If you come out of that, that's why Ireland has such a rich tradition of, uh, you know, art and literature from people who don't live there anymore. It's, it's a fundamental thing. <laughs> and Michael Flatley came in, you know, grew up in, in Chicago and then came over. And, and yeah, he, you know, he brought it in, made a lot of money. A lot of, you know, kind of popularized Irish dancing, which is a very niche kind of strange thing to be at all popular at all, you know. Uh, oh, but yeah. you know, honestly, I wish someone would do it with for someone like hurling or something. I think that'd have way more longevity, like good sporting event. But you know, whatever. Irish dancing was big for like a couple of years. 
Um, Who's going to be the Michael Flatley of Gaelic football? That's what I want. Well, you see, that's, that's, and that's the thing. We don't have, I mean, we, we've had, you know, there are a couple of like, you know, cool guys in Ireland for, but yeah, internationally, we never really had it. We have like face off against Australia. They do like a, a compromise rules thing with the Aussie team sometimes where they like <laughs> play. It's like, it's like half Gaelic football, half Aussie rules. And it kind of, it kind of blows. But um they, they do that every so often. And Australia always wins because Aussie rules players are all professional athletes, whereas GAA, they're still actually all amateurs. So they're not quite oh, conditioned yeah, they're just, for... They're just guys. Yeah, they're just some lads. Like, I mean, to be fair, a lot of them, their jobs are kind of jokes because, you know, they, they're not mm-hmm. professionally employed with the understanding they can leave whenever they want to go train. But they, they do all still have day jobs. So, you know, when they come up against a team of basically like, you know, f- professional full-time athletes, it's tricky. But, you know, they do well. And, you know, it's, it's fun. But I... It's also not a very good sport. I think we'd be better if they if we, we went the other way. Gaelic football, never my thing anyway. <laughs> Hurling is the way to go. That's a real sport. That's a sport yeah. that I think if, if more people around the world saw it, they'd want to see more of it because it is an insane way to spend your time. But instead, they saw Irish yeah. dancing. They saw a bunch of people dancing in a line, tapping their feet manically to big orchestral Irish music. And uh, apparently hit a chord. Mm-hmm. Everyone in the nineties is uh, the nineties seems so alien to me now to look back on it. I just I don't know yeah. what people were what? thinking. It was a square it's, it's dancing like, craze as well. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Cotton it's Eye like Joe. Everybody, uh, they they had this Andrew Lloyd Webber hangover, and they still wanted to get their fix, but they needed to get it in a different way. And I think I think this is what people had to do. It's like no, let's bring uh, dopey theatrics to Irish dancing, square dancing, anything we can on a stage. Uh, let's make it cats, basically. But yeah. Uh, and, and here we are. <laughs> Incredible. Now, unfortunately, you would think a star like Michael Flatley, uh, you know, it would just burn bright forever. But would you be shocked to know that his star did not, in fact, burn bright forever? And following the Riverdance craze, he actually, I mean, he kind of milked that cash cow for quite some time. Although in the early 2000s, uh, you can find a lot of, uh, like British Irish tabloids that are mocking him and calling him Michael Fatley because he uh, took all of his money and went on vacation and just kind of got a pot belly going. But uh, you see, you that, know, that's the Irish culture I know. That's what I understand. It's like, oh, look at you. Doing. Look at this rich, successful guy that we love. He gained 10 pounds. Yeah, I, I was going to say this is like a grim glimpse into Jack's future because every uh, Irish man is uh, apparently doomed to look like a bloated Popeye once they hit like 60. <laughs> uh, maybe, much. maybe so. I might already be there, honestly. Who knows? Uh, yeah, except for the president of Ireland who looks like an actual leprechaun. Like, oh, yeah, it well, doesn't even look real. Like, if if there was a movie about, like, oh, look, it, we got to cast the president of Ireland and they cast this guy, I'd be like, no, this is too comical. No one's going to take him seriously. More countries nope. can learn from having a president who literally used to be just be a poet and, a, and an avant mm-hmm. socialist. <laughs> yeah, no no yeah. words against Michael D. Higgins. He's he's a national treasure. No. So, you know. He's an angel. He looks like a leprechaun, but he is an angel. Might be shorter yeah, I think where than flatly, that. Where Flatley went wrong is he cut his fucking majestic mullet. That, that's the mistake right there. That is a mistake, yeah. Could be, or the that's mistake was situation. that he decided to make a fucking motion picture, which is not actually unifying any, any of his actual talents. And he's he is a prodigious, like, I mean, there's no question, he's a remarkably talented man. I mean, he's he's a champion dancer, he's a, a performance-grade flautist, he's a champion boxer, he's also painted uh, paintings, although he apparently uses feet, so that probably is shit, but it's, they sold for a load of money at the time, so, you know, fair play to him. Like, the, man, the man's done all kinds of things you know when he's an entrepreneur or whatever because he had a load of money to throw around and stuff but you know he just he didn't need to make a movie he really that was unnecessary and and considering he's a dancer if he wants to make a movie where he's like an action star you would think that perhaps he would be interested in uh Moving, moving. No, it's, I, I think it, honestly, at this point, reading up on it, I think he's basically like Jackie Chan himself. Like he is held a day, together with gaffer tape at this point from all his mm-hmm. dancing. So, and it really does show in this movie where, uh, honestly, the biggest punch up is off screen. <laughs> There's no movement whatsoever. This guy makes Steven Seagal look sprightly. It's mainly what yeah. this reminded me of one of the Seagal like DTV filmed in Hungary specials. <laughs> To be fair, this is it's, not it's an action movie, it's a spy thing. movie. Like, he's really leaning in on spy mm-hmm. movie. He forgot to write a spy plot, but they're all spies. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> the plot of this one is, 
it's it's a little dizzying at least for the first 10 minutes i actually thought that this was going to be a real like bond riff with flatley because the first 10 to 15 minutes are just non-stop there's all kinds of shit he like makes out with a nun there's actual action sequences and we're jumping from like plot point to plot point to plot point and it's moving at like a million miles per hour and you're just your head is fucking spinning like oh my god how am i going to follow all of this and then the movie settles in after that initial <laughs> 10 minutes into what it actually is which is Michael Flatley's best exotic marigold hotel. It's just a bunch of fucking old guys sitting around just that is shooting the shit. Literally the film. Yeah, I mean th- that's true. It starts with some kind of like pseudo spy antics. A guy kisses a nun. It turns out he actually transferred a, a secret coin or whatever to her by mouth, and she's not actually a nun. And she walks out of the church and takes off her habit and. Pulls Hell the thing yeah. out and it's all like, okay, fair enough. Okay, we got we got some stuff going on here. And then you're right, yeah, it sells down. It says basically uh, Flatley's character, Victor Blackley, also known as Blackbird, right? Uh, he's he's retired because his his loved one, we learn, uh, was incinerated at some point by some ne'er-do-wells and he couldn't save her. So he's he's quit the game with a couple of his friends uh, of his, his ex-spy troop called the Chieftains. Uh, inexplicably and they basically all decide they just go and they'd run a hotel in the Caribbean together and that's basically what they do and after that the the entire film is essentially just like literally what what gets me about this movie more than anything and there's plenty of things wrong with this movie is that it's supposed to have like this this tried and tested like spy plot but literally everyone just comes to Michael Flatley's hotel and just stays there, and then everything happens. Like, he doesn't have to move at all. It would be like a James Bond movie, like, if, if Bond had to, like, unravel a plot that occurred in, like, MI6's break room. Like, that's... that's <laughs> like, he doesn't have to go anywhere. Everyone just shows up. Uh, very, very lazy, low-stakes kind of a setup here. Yeah, it's, like, set up to be all these things that I still don't want to watch, but would at least have things happening, where it's like, oh, yeah, it's marketed as, like, Michael Flatley playing James Bond, and then we've got this whole chieftain thing. I'm like, what are they doing? Like some stupid fucking Kingsman thing or something? <laughs> and it's like, no, I don't know. I guess he like just watched fucking Casablanca and was like, I could do that. <laughs> he might, he might still be sore at the at the chieftains for not letting him play with them. So uh, you know, he wanted he wanted mm-hmm. the band, and he's like, fine, fuck it, I'll make my own chieftains. And here we go. <laughs> he took his picked up his ball and he left, and he he set up his own. Um, yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. uh, the first part of this is like Casablanca. Basically, it's it's Michael Flatley's just kind of like trying to see he's in the hotel, his own hotel. And apparently there's arms dealers and war criminals all hanging around and they're like doing deals. And he's like, I can't get involved. And then eventually everyone's like, you should probably get involved because these are bad people. And he's like, oh, all right. So he has a game of poker and then he shoots someone. And that's literally the entire film. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's all there is to it, really. Uh, uh, some some good casting calls here, though. And this is the weird thing is like. A lot of people have framed this as a bigger disaster, maybe a different kind of disaster than what it actually is. Uh, because this obviously it's Michael Flatley written, directed, produced, starring. So it's going to get some intrigue automatically. But. Many of the early reviews sort of frame this as, it, it, you know, directly saying, oh, it's like Tommy Wiseau or, you know, like a Neil Breen or something like that. And this is so, so far from what those movies are, because, you know, Tommy Wiseau, Neil Breen, not making what we would consider, you know, uh, just standard good cinema whatever whatever that means like what the whatever the expectations are for what a good film is they're just doing something where they've kind of broken all the rules and subverted everything because they're idiots and it's sort of come back around into this outsider art piece blackbird is not that it's incompetent but it's so fucking bog standard in everything that it does and it is horrifically boring which I would never say that about Neil Breen. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely 
and and I don't know what stories are this because it was reportedly was finished about 2018. It like it, the the movie was ready then, but I don't know if he got you know bad reviews and he just had like he showed it a few people. He ne- it never aired, like showed publicly at all. It didn't have any kind of a screening then, but it was reportedly finished. And I don't know if he just sat on it because he he wanted to tweak it more or just people were telling him you know like this sucks, Mike. You know I don't know. Uh, or if he continued to tweak it for three more years, but it didn't make it out almost four more years because this didn't make it out till 2022. So it was like that four year window. And I don't know if he was f- doing anything to it in that time. But yeah, I mean, it, it kind of built up as like, oh, Michael Flatley spy movie, you know, it's going to be ridiculous and crazy. And it, it really isn't. It's just sort of like it, it has some of the ring of, a you know, ill-advised uh what we say like uh, ill-advised you know ego project certainly i mean that's absolutely written into it but it's it is just mm-hmm. yeah kind of kind of dull it's just sort of like a really leaden quote-unquote thriller um where there's a bunch of stakes uh that are, are established early on and it is the film doesn't really satisfy on any any criteria but i mean it's it's produced reasonably standard you know it's it all hangs together well enough in terms of stuff it's not like glaring full of bad production design elements or it's not like out of focus or anything like it all looks and sounds fine it's just kind of a boring movie by a guy who just made a movie because he thought it would be cool and yeah it's kind of disappointing you know i think we were all hoping for you know an outright just like a some ridiculous high camp just misfire and sadly, it, is, it isn't that. It's just kind of like a boring kind of just failure on its own. <laughs> yeah, generally yeah. like these sort of amateur vanity project has a wild ambition that is, is what makes it into something entertaining and spectacular. When its ambition so greatly outstretches the capabilities and funding of the filmmaker. And yeah, this is not that. There's no ambition here. It's just like a dull plotting nothing i mean yeah. i guess if the ambition is just i want to be a star in a movie but okay great what who fucking cares like this this is there's nothing here <laughs> yeah and, and flatly is wealthy enough and I, he self-funded this i don't know if he got any grants he probably did because he like i think he spent some of his time in monte carlo i have a feeling you know friends of friends there's probably some money in his laundering to like always move around through there um but like i mean they shoot in ireland in england in uh i'm not sure where they it's barbados maybe or somewhere i don't remember where they shoot mm-hmm. the other part but like you know they shoot internationally and it, it, they do globe hop essentially they do things that you know a lot of a lot of actually you know other vanity vanity projects could never afford to do but it's it, yeah it's really it's like slow james bond it's just sort of like you really it's it's kind of going for this old man kind of grizzled thing which is almost comical because the whole film is about like a bunch of grizzled old men and then there are women who aren't grizzled at all but they all apparently came up together which is really weird because all the women are like 30 years younger than the men like without fail so i don't know how exactly they know each other well, at all i don't professionally. know sometimes they are like 50 years younger <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's uh there, there's some disparities here certainly but uh very very confusing elements but yeah it, it's just you know kind of we get our haunted michael flatley walking around he's running this 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 hotel and then by the time they introduce the actual plot elements and the plot elements could be fun but they, they it just kind of fizzles out into nothing i mean the the literal plot elements of this and it's worth mentioning our main enemy in this is is played by eric roberts who is by far and away the the best thing in this oh, film i mean the greatest this this is a man who knows what <sighs> he knows knows what he's doing uh, so holds it on but uh, the the plot of this film involves the crusading revolution a secret society of war criminals which I don't know have they been tried because I'm not sure what constitutes a war criminal without like the Hague intervening. I think they're just arms dealers, <laughs> um, you know, self-identifying. Yeah, yeah, I guess they identify. <laughs> we're war criminals, and they they manage. They have managed to secure what a bunch of a bunch of weapons, but also some kind of like secret new science breakthrough that like for for like a medicine that makes you really fit and healthy but if you change it a bit it makes you really unfit and unhealthy it's very dangerous stuff and that's literally that's what they're playing for those are the stakes is for a magic potion and some weapons and 
uh, Eric Roberts is the bad guy dealing with it and Michael Flatley is the good guy who's just sort of like oh, maybe, I guess maybe I'll, I'll intervene and uh, there's a woman in between them who's gonna who's I guess engaged Eric Roberts character but she knows Michael Flatley from back in the day because apparently she's an ex-spy too but she has no idea this dude is a member of a secret cabal of of war criminals which is incredible you think maybe she would have heard something about that <laughs> along the way but apparently not she's completely innocent and they somehow ended up at Michael Flatley's resort for some reason like the one run openly by ex-spies is where they decide they're going to do their business and that's the, the plotting of the film and it's it's like they could have gone big with it and they don't it's all very understated and where it really falls apart as a thriller or as a spy story is there's just no specificity to the story there's no the details don't work at all um there's there's nothing unique there they have a game of cards and it's like they obviously clearly you know watch like casino royale and there's that great scene in casino royale in the the daniel craig one let's never speak of the 67 one but uh in in daniel craig there's that one with him and ava green and they're like one of the best scenes in any bond movie where they're basically feeling each other out and they're kind of like trying to you know see what they've noticed and there's this great like invective between them as they feel each other out and try and like analyze each other um and and clearly flatly saw that and he's like i'll do that that's smart that's clever and we'll do it over a card game it'll be just like bond except that they do it over texas hold'em rather than like Backrat or, or one of the other <laughs> great casino games nothing against texas hold'em but it's it, i don't know i feel like they simplified a little bit there went for you know a more popular game and then it's just eric roberts and michael flatly just went like i see the way you hold your cards that you're gonna rot up your arse and he's like well i'm just gonna bet big because i think you're a prick and that's like that's the entire so like there's no intelligence or detail or specificity to how these two men interact or anything it's just one's the good guy who's nice and the other one's a bad guy who's mean and and this is like the film and the film just kind of like winds along like that until literally they they fight each other in just one drone overhead shot where they're all holding guns and then it just cuts away it's it's really like you couldn't there's nothing here there's literally they made a film that that satisfies no one of nothing there, there's almost nothing here oh there is one incredibly gratuitous scene of female nudity that i thought was very funny and i don't know how it fits in <laughs> just like a brief glimpse second of a topless of i think the singer in the club topless and i don't yeah. i don't know what it means i don't know why it's there i guess it means michael flatly banged her uh i think that's no, like that's no, he wanted down, to bang her and that's he, turned her, yeah. he turned her down. She's like, oh, I'm 20 and beautiful and I want to fuck you so bad, Michael Flatley. And he's just like, sorry, babe, hit the bricks. Is that Even that though like, you have her like perfect silhouetted side titty. He's that's, like, no, that's it. Yeah. Okay. So he turns that down and then she turns him in. She yes. goes Judas on him, but mm. he forgives her. Yeah. Uh, and also yeah. there's an Irish priest just down the road who also forgives him. It's very handy. Um, it, the entire <laughs> film is just like feel it was written on a napkin and then they lost half the napkin. That's Blackbird. Yeah, that card that's a, that's game is, is something. I mean, I think it's the, the least compelling uh, like card playing on uh, in cinema that I've seen since like Dario Argento's The Card Player. Uh, which <laughs> at least they're just playing on like a 2002 like computer monitor yeah, this, yeah this is playing a five card draw so it's just like you can't see what the fuck's going on or this is like the least cinematic <laughs> thing imaginable here they, they actually i mean hold them has an inherent drama to it but they they bungle it i don't know it's just fucking incomprehensible there's like nothing catching it, I at mean, all Adam, like, it, it hits all my favorite uh, poker hands the full house a straight a flush mm. it's got it all i mean these guys they know what all they're doing yeah no one can win with like a pair of nines that's no. just impossible <laughs> <with> these sorts <laughs> of really masterful stuff here yeah i i think if if you're going into this looking for something like uniquely silly you're gonna be horribly disappointed if you want if you go into this and you're like oh man i i wish i had a heavy sedative uh then you found something. Now, I will say, there is something in this movie that is a bit of a curiosity, and it was pretty much the only thing that kept me from just, like, passing out like I took a fistful of fucking Valium. And that is the weird Michael Flatley hat stuff. And when you watch this movie, Michael Flatley is constantly, constantly wearing a hat whether it is a hat-appropriate scene or not. In addition to that, he is 
constantly wearing a hat with like the most absurd like angle to it. Like he just kind of like cocks it to the side at an extreme angle, no matter what kind of hat he's wearing. And there's even a point where he's wearing one hat and then he walks out to get in his car with like a custom license plate that says like Mr. Pussy Slayer or something on it. And he throws the hat he's wearing to the valet and then someone gives him a different hat that he puts on. Yeah, an indoor hat and I don't an outdoor know, what is, hat, you know. His indoor hat and his outdoor hat. I don't know why he's such a hat guy. He doesn't look good in a hat. No, he looks he's not bald stupid. either. He, no, he's got a fine head of hair on him. I think but it, is, is it to do with bizarre. Mike, Michael Flatley is a man who wears many hats professionally. <laughs> and so in, in Blackbird, yeah. he literally wears many hats. Mm. Could mm. be. Miss, you That's know, food it. for thought. cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, as well developed a, as any other idea in this thing. <laughs> it's, it's all we got, man. That's that's all we got. Co correct me if I'm wrong. If Michael Flatley had, if when Nancy or Vi sorry, Vivian, uh, the, the blonde lady, if she, when she finds mm -hmm. out that she's actually engaged to uh, a war criminal who's got this like small yeah. little chip, I don't know what it is even supposed to be that has the, the magic potion on it. It's like an SD card. Yeah, I don't know what the hell <laughs> with, it's supposed to be. No, it's like a secrets. hollow coin. I don't know if that means oh, yeah. holographic or what. Oh, a hollow coin. Yeah. <laughs> sure, of course, a hollow coin. So when she finds this and she finds it and she realizes this is bad, if she had just gone to Michael Flatley and if Flatley had said, oh, that seems serious, let's just head straight to the airport and fly to London and just hand it over to, like, the, the Secret Service or whatever... Would that film would have just ended there? Because basically, Eric Roberts mm -hmm. would have been stuck without the thing. He's there to do a trade with, uh, like an, an even more evil arms dealer who says he's going to kill him if he screws it up. Like, if they just like laid low and not just stayed at the hotel everyone's staying at and just like organized transport back somewhere to hand all this shit back and then maybe call the police to arrest Eric Roberts or had him just be killed by the other guy because he lost the exact, you know, merchandise he was actually trying to sell. Like, there's no actual mm. reason for the film to progress the way it does, other than that Michael Flatley's like, I don't want to get involved, I don't want to get involved, and then it's like, well, you are involved, I mean, people keep telling you about this stuff and bringing this stuff to you. Like, at a certain point, just, you know, if you called the police, it would at least be something. There's nothing to really make this plot actually work at all like literally there, there's no reason for them to face off there's no particular reason for them to have a vendetta against each other he could have just left with the thing or just handed it to someone else and had them or, bring it through or i mean destroyed it right like he, right. he didn't he, he did this is obviously information that is too dangerous to be given to any uh shady governments and he's he's obviously disavowed himself from whatever I don't know if the chieftains are, are working for the British or what, but uh, wherever they're working, I mean, he seems to have distanced himself from, from all of these governmental interventions. So you'd think, handed this information, he would he would just, you know, put it beneath his boot and grind it into the ground. But no, he mm -hmm. in fact makes a point to make a copy, and I believe at the end does in fact turn it over to uh, the good guy. <laughs> yeah, eventually after <laughs> after doing all the other stuff, yes. and it's, it's just kind of like it's it's a sign of like how this there's just very thin plot, and it's not even employed in an even halfway convincing manner. Which we, and these are the kind of things you have time to think about when you're watching a movie where it's literally just one dude saying, "Nope, not gonna do anything," and that's like forty five to an hour, like forty five minutes to an hour of this film is basically Michael Flatley like shaking his head, going like, "Not not my problem." And it's like, but why are we in this movie then? Just, like, focusing on someone else. I suppose it, it bears yeah. mentioning that Eric Roberts is, like, the intermediary for uh, Middle Eastern terrorists, <laughs> I would say. And this movie oh, yeah. certainly There's a doesn't lot of, take like, place weird, in the Middle like, East. So. <laughs> no. I think it's just because, I mean, this movie has a it, Michael Flatley's, what, in his 60s now? And he's got a lot of like 60 year old dad energy that he's got to work out. And part of that is like Casablanca spy thriller, which is what he's doing here. But also you got to throw in the soft racism, which Michael Flatley does in spades. Uh, I, I think it's weird that Michael Flatley just has like a slave in this movie. Um, <laughs> it's an odd choice, <laughs> but there he is. What do you mean? Uh, that guy's one of the chieftains, Steve. 
He is. He's not I mean, a man I, I have written, Yeah, the, I have written the slave in, chief. I have it written in my notes that at one point, uh, at one point they, they lose Matiti, one of the chieftains. <laughs> it's like, it's true. Poor Matiti gets, gets shot in the head because Michael Flatley won't do oh, anything. No. Who's going to get Michael Flatley's tea now who's gonna that get his, his super spy slave is gone? Who's going to get his hat? Yeah. That's it. Who's going to get the hats? Who's going to trade him? Because that's literally, that's someone's job at Michael Flatley's Barbados commune is, is he have to hand and change out the hats. There's a changing in the hat on the, on the every quarter yeah. hour. I don't, I don't know. And what a wildly successful place he's running to, you know? And it's, it's a jazz bar in Barbados. I don't know about you, Jack, but every time I'm in the Caribbean, I'm like, I just got to hear some white guy jazz right now. Where, where is that? Where do I find that? And the answer is Michael Flatley's uh, beautiful Barbados resort. One with, the, with the singer who knows two songs, uh, I think. Mm-hmm. I think two. I think, yeah, Fly Me to the Moon and Mac the Knife. And they do Mac the Knife twice, just, just yeah. in case. It's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah, why not? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't know. To the I point mean, where I was like, is, is Flatley sleeping with this woman? Like, why is like... 30% of the runtime just this woman singing fucking uh, goddamn Vegas standards or something. Here's something I, I was I mean, dis- you gotta fill the runtime. Yeah, here's something I was disappointed about is that they, for, for before Eric Roberts shows up, they keep talking about like that he's coming to visit and he's just a guest and they keep saying, prepare the infinity suite. And they keep saying it over and over again. And I'm thinking like, you know, if you say the phrase the infinity suite enough, I'm going to start thinking that it's going to be something cool. But it turns out it's just like a three star hotel bedroom. That's basically what the infinity yeah. suite is. That's, the infinity suite is the is the double room at the Best Western. <laughs> that's it. I mean, using the word infinity it's helps odd. the algorithm. You know, you get your Marvel fans uh, curious. Yeah. Mm. This is it for all the well, people writing summaries really cool. for this film and bringing up the Infinity Suite as one of the core <laughs> points. <laughs> Which yeah. honestly, Eric Roberts might... is going on vacation at the Infinity Suite at Michael Flatley's <laughs> Barbados Jazz Lounge. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I'm trying to give Michael Flatley some credit for something in this. I'm, I'm really stretching here, but uh, you know. He, he actually won Best Actor at the Monaco Film Festival. And <laughs> yes, I think he did. part of the reason why is because I think he was on like the, the jury for that or something. So he may have, uh, may have greased for, the wheels For all a bit. I know, Michael but, Flatley funds the Monaco Streaming Festival. Yeah, that's... I mean, it it, a, let's a be fair to the, the, the man. It's not like he's... He doesn't stand out in this movie. I'm not immediately like, no, oh, that's a complete no. bozo non-actor. I, he deserves an award for not completely embarrassing himself. Yeah, if he were like he a supporting actor the in, in some better movie play with this performance, I'd be like, oh, fine, it passes muster completely. He's, he's, he's fine. Yeah. And is he sets himself, fine. it's a little bit tricky because he does have like, he pretty much delivers everything with the same cadence and he's trying to do this grizzled thing. Maybe he is grizzled now, I don't know, but it, it's kind of like, he can't. He got one level, and he sticks to it. And you're right; it's really, it's not really egregious or anything, but it is kind of funny. And some of the more emotional things that it just, it stays pretty much the same. And there's one shot of him like screaming that they had to throw in, like that's his big emotional sequence. And that's, I think, when he sees his uh, his uh, fiance set ablaze by South American terrorists or something. I don't know. Who knows? I'm not sure if he pulled mm-hmm. that off, uh, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'm- now, Eric Roberts, though, that's masterful casting. You know, if you're going to give Flatley credit for anything, he's like, OK, well, the guy who is going to play my my sidekick best buddy is a legitimate actor, even though that guy's really fucking phoning it in. Uh, but Eric Roberts is the perfect person to cast here because this is Eric Roberts entire career. OK, because what Flatley has created, this is lifetime channel cinema that's what this is it looks flat it's boring it's fucking stupid and the reason why eric roberts is so successful and the reason why eric roberts can make some of those lifetime movies so watchable is because he knows there's nothing for him on the page so he just goes entirely too big and it just sort of overcompensates for the lack of a screenplay and that's exactly what he's doing here he's a total sleazebag dick and it's fucking awesome yeah i feel like and he was not even working better. off a script <laughs> No, and it's even better because it it makes the whole scenario hilarious, which is Michael Flatley's 
friend slash ex lover slash ex colleague at MI6. So like another spy lady, she doesn't realize that she is marrying an actual like terrorist war crimes doer man in Eric Roberts. And then every time Eric Roberts is on screen, he's being the most monstrous, horrible fuckhead in the entire world. Yeah. Yeah. There are, there's like that boat scene where I'm like, what, what movie is this pulled out of? Like, it's completely separate in tone from the rest of this fucking. I had actually already forgotten the boat scene and I watched the film like eight hours or like six hours ago. So it's it's got like the The most scene rocks. It's got the most like B roll energy. Like we just fucking, this is like a blooper that they fucking left into the middle of the movie or something. (laughs) I was like, you go out in a boat so his banker can do a thing in two minutes. He's like, it'll take me two minutes. And Eric Roberts like, do it in one. And so he does, and then they murder a guy because he he's just tells them you can't, like, throw people off the boat, so they just murder him. Yeah. And that's the scene. Like, the scene is literally that Eric Roberts needed two minutes of work done on his finances, and that's it. That's that's yeah. it. And also that his, his And they want to brag about it. Yeah, and his henchman <laughs> kills people, which I think we could have worked out anyway because, uh, you know, that yeah be, be a whole thing. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's very slackly plotted very slackly paced uh thing it's like it's really like one of those you know it really wants to be like uh one of those like french old man gangster movies but it just they don't understand what makes those work which is firstly having good actors who really like settle into the parts and then you know being clever about this and that in terms of you know um where you say, you know, like teasing out the, the actual failed glories and stuff of the gangsters and their their hopes and dreams and everything doesn't really quite. It's, it's like, again, like James Bond, it's like they watched it and they kind of were aware of the vague shape and they just kind of sketched. It's like a kindergartner's like sketch of like a horse outline, you know, with stick legs and kind of like pointy mm-hmm. out ears and maybe it doesn't have the right number of legs or whatever but that's it's Michael Flatley's best attempt at one of these films and it's just sort of held together well enough that it, it doesn't look egregiously terrible but if you actually sit through it you're like there's really nothing here at all no yeah so I guess the last thing I'm going to ask you guys is before the cancer announcement uh, Michael Flatley said that he was already in pre-production for Blackbird 2 will it get made Who's to say? However, if it does get made, we know that even though it was peddled to us as Michael Flatley, James Bond, this is really Michael Flatley's shitty Casablanca. So for Blackbird 2, what shitty Michael Flatley version of a movie do you want to see? Go ahead, Jack. You know, the first thing that springs to mind, and probably just because I watched a shitty Italian knockoff of one of them, but I would like to see Michael Flatley's Airport 77. Just, you know, just <laughs> just an airplane disaster movie with, with Michael Flatley at the center. Maybe he has to fly a plane, maybe he has to talk someone down to land one. That that could be a whole thing. Oh, what if, what if like, it's Michael Flatley, but he's he's the one who, like, help one of those planes crash on 9-11 but like one that didn't hit a building like he he was uh you know the united 93 oh my god yeah flatly i mean yeah again like That'd irish american sick. royalty like marky mark uh i think he's irish american mm-hmm. he's, maybe he's just from boston fucking close enough yeah they they should he can know, totally should... get marky mark for that marky mark has specifically said that if he was on the plane during 9-11 he would have stopped 9-11 so he would be 100 percent. he did also that, specifically apologize for saying that so maybe he doesn't want to bring it up again but we'll keep bringing yeah. it up just like but he the only apologized exactly and he only apologized because he knew that he had to his publicist told him repeatedly i'm sure oh, but he knows in the back of his head yeah yeah oh 100 percent. mark Wahlberg believes he would have defeated the terrorists no question in my mind mm-hmm. he absolutely believes that he would have done that yeah, you know what? You know what he couldn't beat, though? He couldn't beat rising food prices because Wahlburgers in Milwaukee just closed. So, moment of silence. That's, that is a goddamn shame. Do they take the, do they put the burgers in for cryotherapy at 3 a.m. before they, they took them? I've never <laughs> been to a Wahlburgers. Like, it's just, it's just a burger. Oh, it's a whole thing. I, I got, no, it's a, it's, it's a burger, but Marky Mark and Donnie are on the wall. And, like, I think another Wahlburg, too, that's less famous. I'm not wow, sure. Wow, incredible. What an Hard experience. That's the one thing I don't have a Five what? Guys when i eat a burger there's no marky mark there i can't see him yeah. i can't think about him it's it's rough it's hard myros blackbird 2 what do you what kind of michael flatley movie do you want to see i got two pictures for you steve um 
pitch one, I, mm. and I'm thinking this is Blackbird too. We're not going way off the reservation here. We got to stick with a similar sort of a milieu. Uh, so I think you could do a Blackbird, Michael Flatley's uh, Sexy Beast. Because, uh, you know, yes, Ben Kingsley. That is the exact thought that I had. Yeah, Ben Kingsley <laughs> will take your paycheck. He might cost a little more than Eric Roberts, mm-hmm. but he'll be in your piece of shit. So just bring him in to, yep. to fucking yell cunt at uh, Michael Flatley the whole movie. You got yourself something. My second pitch <laughs> yep. is uh, is Michael Flatley's Serenity. You know, uh, we could we could take this mm. into the direction where all of a sudden uh, this is actually a computer simulation, and I think uh, that that could be something as well. Yeah. That sounds like something C- special. Certainly from watching, I'm glad you said sexy beast. Yeah, from, from watching <laughs> this, certainly Michael Flatley seems to have a great grasp of computers in the information age, considering early mm-hmm. on in the film there's a guy hurriedly shredding documents one page at a time in a shredder, and then the, we have the hollow coin. Uh, this is very like this is the like it's funny because this is set in contemporary times but honestly every spycraft piece of this thing looks older than like the fucking 60s James Bond movies where they're like carrying around an entire (laughs) printer in a briefcase like I don't know it's it's very low tech on that front yeah they talk about the infinity suite you think like there could be something in there nope just a bed I mean I think it exhibits as much technological know-how as fucking serenity did and that that has also got a guy, you know, Jason Clark. That's another guy. He'll he'll take your paycheck. He will take any paycheck. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Took a yep, paycheck yep. is this Patrick Bergen, um, probably the most famous cast member outside of Michael Flatley and Eric Roberts, and a, an acclaimed Irish actor. And I really enjoy this because he's one of Northerner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nor- I think were, most of them are Northerners. So I guess, I guess I'm guessing the chieftains yeah. are a Northern Irish wing of MI6 or something. I'm guessing that's how they're probably trying to tie it in. <laughs> but to be honest with you, I don't think there's any any benefits to trying to tie any of this together. But I think it's really funny that Patrick Bergen is in it and he's uh, credited as the head. And he's one of the chieftains, but he appears in like a couple of scenes up front. And then I don't recall really seeing him doing much else than standing in the background of a couple of other scenes i like i'm not sure if he's just like look i'll be in your movie but like we're not gonna i'm not gonna embarrass myself too much <laughs> so it all fell to fell to the other guy to ian batty to like be you know the the voice of like michael flatley's best friend who also you know a decent enough actor but like he no one really has to do much here everyone acquits themselves fine they say the lines say they, they hit their marks uh, you know what more can you want? That's movie. That's movie magic, really, isn't that's it? Just it. keep everything in focus. That's showbiz, baby. Yeah, yep. there are like points and, where and you might why... be confused into thinking this is a movie, and then Eric Roberts shows up, and you're like, "Well, it must not be a movie." But I, I think <laughs> one of the areas that really stood out to me is uh, sound mixing, especially at the club. There was this like this fucking lazy ass stock like cricket noise like blasted into every fucking scene <laughs> it would even cut to like him inside and the cricket noise would not go away and i'm like that well i see we saved a few bucks can, can we think that mix. might be might that be an ode to, to neon genesis evangelion because they play saying fly me to the moon and they have a prominent cricket sound perhaps michael flatley is, oh, wow. is a waifu that <laughs> could this be a thing <laughs> this and this is beautiful because we started with uh, uh, an anime discussion, and we've we've come back around to it. So, <laughs> I mean, really incredible. Just bookending this perfectly. No one That's else how is we putting this That's content you know in podcasts. No, no, no one's done it. No one's doing it at all. And I, I hope you know if if you're Irish right now, share this with all your Irish friends because it seems like the entire like country of Ireland is waiting with bated breath to take a big fat shit on this movie. So, yes. I think you can um, rent it uh, over there. Ready. Like well, we we just had to steal mm-hmm. it, but you you can rent it on yeah. like Apple UK. I think that's the oh, I think it's the only way you can see <laughs> this movie. No one no one else is releasing it. So uh, you know if you're over no. on that side of the pond, uh, you throw like five quid towards it. I guess. I mean, if you really want to, yeah. like, if you have nothing else going I'll on, just, I'll just send it to you on WhatsApp. Don't worry, <laughs> Irish pals. Or gotcha. that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well. Uh, probably got to wrap things up so jack what are you putting over this week uh this week i'm gonna put over i've, I've been trying to do catch up on like movies i've lying around on disc i picked up recently and one of those movies i watched is hop keto uh which is a 1972 martial arts film starring angela mao and it is actually it's fantastic it's 
one of those just really great martial arts films. It, the story is is the story of almost every martial art movie. They have like five stories that they like cycle through, and that's fine because why would you mess with things that work? But the martial arts sequences mm-hmm. in it are amazing. It's full of cool kicking and punching and locks and throws, and it's got baby Sammo Hong. He's literally he's like twenty years old. Uh, and he's also did the action choreography in it because he was already absurdly accomplished even when he was just 20 years old. And it's just a really great time. And um, I think you might be able to stream it now in the US on like Arrow's uh, dedicated streaming service. But they're also releasing it on Blu-ray in like maybe now or maybe next month. Uh, and you can get it from Eureka in the UK. But uh, Hapkido, it's it's fantastic with uh, Angela Mao. It's a really great martial arts movie. Really impressed me. Like just, you know, like lots of great martial arts movies, but a couple of them are just a little bit better. Push themselves up over. This is one of those. It's just it's just even better than your your average really good one. So check it out. Mm. Myros, how about you? What are you putting over this week? Uh, yeah, I uh, just recently watched something. I was I was going to put over some television junk, and I'm like, oh, I'll avoid I'll avoid my uh, schoolwork for now. But um, instead, I, I actually got around to watching the film that I was supposed to do for schoolwork, which I had not seen, and it's fucking incredible. Uh, the President's Analyst. It's a uh, 1967 like spy farce. Uh, as an avowed fan of the Flint films from james coburn uh this is better than any of those by a long shot like this is proper fucking amazing satire like it's goddamn hilarious uh yeah it's just a really goofy movie about a guy who is hired to become the president's you know psychoanalyst and uh has a mental breakdown and uh yeah kind of goes on the run is chased by various parodies of spy agencies and it's fucking really goddamn funny and smart uh i would i would recommend it highly all right well this week i'm putting over a movie that i doubt you've seen and it's a goddamn shame uh because you know what myros everybody's saying you you, you know you gotta go back into the office or you know gotta, gotta go back out into the real world uh what a nightmare and everyone says the same thing they say hey did you see glass onion did you see it you see Glass Onion? How great is Glass Onion? When Dave Batista, you know, he, he's got a gun and he goes in the pool. How fun is that? Glass Onion. Uh, to which I say, no, it's not fun. I say Glass Onion, more like ass funions. It's not, it's not great. Not great at all. But if you're looking for something that's funny and kind of has a little bit of a detective thing going on, I highly recommend Inspector. Ike, either of you heard of this one? Have you seen Mm -hmm. it? Have you heard this? Have you seen about this? Okay. Uh, Yeah, so Inspector Ike is, I don't know, it looks like it costs like $3 to make. It's got real big, like, fucking, you know, a group of friends in New York with just enough money and access to exactly three locations. Uh, But it's a fun little mystery comedy movie. It's got all the energy of, say, like a Garth Marenghi. You want to get the the tone. Uh, Also, it's, it's kind of a riff on 1970s and 80s uh, American detective shows, essentially. Uh, so it's got a little bit of Columbo to it. It's fucking funny. It's a good time. It's, it's a quick watch. And uh, yeah, it's, it's got no one you've ever heard in it, but all these people should be doing more shit because they're funny. Actually, I, I lied. Uh, fucking Stavi from Cometown. Stav is in it. Renowned actor. <laughs> he plays... Uh, yeah, no, yeah, I mean, he's only in it for like two minutes, but he's he, he like there's an avant garde play that's eight hours long where they just hired the two guys that work at the pizza place down the street to reenact their entire job on stage for eight hours. And so it's just Stav like eating pizza, basically. <laughs> uh, it's great. Anyways, you can watch it. I think uh, there's a Vinegar Syndrome like sub-label. I think Factory 25 put it out on Blu-ray, so it's, it's available if you're into physical media. Uh, also, there's a break in the middle of it where they give you a pretty good chili recipe. So if, if you need a chili recipe, if you need a fun movie to watch, all of these things can be yours if you watch Inspector Ike. There you go. There's my pitch. Now, if you enjoyed this podcast today, I would encourage you to look at the description of the very episode you're listening to and look at that link. And then you can tap on that link or click on that link. And that will take you to our Patreon page. You might be asking yourself, 
why the fuck do I care about your Patreon page? And the answer is because podcasting costs a lot of money. It's expensive. You got to host this shit. You got to fucking pay for all kinds of things. Adam Myros's uh, opulent lifestyle. You think that comes cheap? Absolutely not. So you can throw us a couple bucks. It would help us out a lot. Uh, if you donate any amount of money, I will send you in the mail a movie from my personal collection straight to your doorstep, assuming you live in the continental United States. And, uh, you know, at higher levels, you get extra perks, not only at the, you know, I think $2 the minimum level and you get access to all these old optimism vaccine podcasts and writing plus, uh, new Patreon exclusive stuff. When, whenever we get around to doing it, <laughs> I probably should do that a little more frequently. Sorry. And, uh, but then if you donate a higher level, like $5, you get to vote in polls for, for future episodes. Uh, you also get your name read out on the air. That's exciting. Myros, who are these people? Uh, we have, oh God, Hoofy Hoof. God damn it. Uh, CWW, <laughs> Evan Gordon, uh, Ryan, Hoofy. Uh, Dustin, and Paula. God bless them. God bless them all. And then for $25, if you donate $25 to us, you get to choose an episode. How exciting for you. Anything you want under the sun, it's available. There it is. So, uh, yeah, just please give us money. Really help us out. A couple bucks here and there. Even if it's only a dollar or two, really helps us out. Uh, in addition to that, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, or hentai recommendations, optimismvaccine at gmail.com. Or you can tweet at us at optimismvaccine. And we would love to hear from you. Adam Myros constantly refreshing the inbox. Brings him great joy to see your message. I think that's just about everything. Uh, fuck Michael Flatley. That's that's pretty much all I got. To say.